Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast presented by Horicon Bank. Banking on Business is aimed at helping entrepreneurs grow their business with practical strategies you can start using today. We are all about engaging our local business community and connecting with other small businesses to raise each other up. Hosted by yours truly, Grace Bruins, Marketing Officer at Horicon Bank, turned podcaster, at least for the next 20 minutes. Welcome to the Banking on Business podcast presented by Horicon Bank. Today, I'm talking with my friend, Chris Behrens, Trust Officer at Horicon Bank. Chris, I'm so glad you came on the podcast. Thanks, Grace. Good to be here. You know, I've always appreciated the insight and the just the practicality you bring to your role as trust officer. So I'm excited to explore that with you today. But first, let's let our listeners get to know you with a rapid fire intro to the expert. All right. This is our rapid fire intro to the expert. I fire off the questions and you answer as quickly as you can. Are you ready to play? Let her go. All right. Chris, where did you grow up? Final Lake, Wisconsin. And what's the best part about what you do? Helping people. Uh, there are a lot of people with needs out there as they age or if they're, they have a disability. So just enjoy finding a solution and finding ways to help them the Horicon Bank way. And what was the very first concert you ever went to? Huey Lewis in the News. Oh, nice. At Summerfest. Oh, fine. In the old grounds. Best way to spend a day off? Fishing. Fishing. And time with the grandchildren, of course. Of course, of course. And this is a tough one. Your favorite coworker at Horcom Bank? Everyone. Everyone. We have a lot of good ones. <laughs> if you had to pick one in the marketing department, do you feel like there would be one that just stands out? You come to mind. Okay. Okay. That's nice. <laughs> good. That's what that's the answer I was going for. All right. <laughs> All right. Before we get into our story, Chris, let's go into our marketing minute. So have you seen the trailer for the new movie Air? I have. Okay. And it's a movie based on the story of Nike signing Michael Jordan. Uh, he was a then unknown rookie to wear their Air Jordan shoes. But I'm going to go back a little bit further into the Nike story. So Phil Knight the co-founder of Nike, and Jeff Johnson, who's his first full-time employee, managed to take a completely unknown brand and build a loyal customer base with a really simple strategy. So they loaded up shoes into the trunk of their car, visited local high school track meets, and just started talking to coaches, showing their shoes to the athletes. Eventually, Johnson would actually build on this tactic by creating index cards with customer information, not just contact details, but shoe size, preference, their favorite racing distance. He created his own mailing list with a response rate of about 95%, which is crazy. <laughs> one by one, Nike turned customers into fans, sold their first 50,000 shoes on word of mouth marketing alone. So the lesson here. We can concentrate on digital optimization and growing online followers. And those aren't bad things. Those are things you probably hear me talk about in the marketing department quite a bit. But it takes more to turn a customer into a fan. Sometimes you need to meet those customers right where they're at. And I picked that story for you, Chris, because I think you do that every single day in your line of work. So I'm excited to talk about that with you today. First, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do? So at Horicon Bank, we are doing trust administration. So when family members leave money in trust for other family members, someone needs to administer that. And that's what we do. We're looking to carry out that father's or mother's uh, wishes on how to care for their child or how to distribute funds to their child over the time. Okay. And what is it that makes Horicon Bank's trust administration a little bit unique from other trust departments? 
So we're a community bank that does not manage the assets of the trust. Okay. And in fact, we don't manage asset money at all at this time at Horicon Bank. And that's unlike most other community banks. As far as I know, there's a big draw for us in not only Milwaukee, Madison, but also in the Chicago market. Okay. And so when you say we don't manage the assets of the trust, it means that, let's say, I'll take myself as an example, I can work with a wealth advisor anywhere, but then continue to use Horcom Bank's trust administration services. There's no exclusivity there, right? Correct. We will partner with advisors from LPL, RBC, Baird. It just depends on what advisor they may have a relationship with. Um, But we do some due diligence on that advisor and have a conversation with them just to make sure it's a good fit, make sure we're all on the same page as far as the asset allocation and the investments in the trust. Okay. And you were talking about very early on this we don't manage those assets, but we help to administer those assets. So I guess my question is, why is that important to administer the assets for somebody? Like, why have a third party do that? In some cases, people don't have a good solution. They may have kids on the East Coast or the West Coast and no one here locally. Okay. In other cases, they don't have a good option. Hmm. They don't have a family member. Everyone around them is getting... is their age or older. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for someone that can carry out their wishes. Okay. Now let's say that you have, and I know you've got customers like this, who they have kids. Maybe they've got three kids. Maybe those kids don't get along very well. But those parents are saying, well, you know, after I pass, I'm sure the oldest, right? They're the most responsible. The oldest will take care of it. They'll take care of their siblings. But you see that that doesn't always work. Uh, no, because oftentimes it will, they may bring up or hold a grudge of things that have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. And so they may not necessarily work with them well. And so there may be a lot of conflict just from past history. Mm-hmm. Um, in one case I had, the, the uncle was administering a trust for the grandchildren, but he was only distributing funds for his children <sighs> and ignoring all of his nieces and nephews. That becomes problematic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's say that I'll take my family as an example. So I'm one of four. We all get along really well, I think. But that could all change once mom and dad are gone. And there's these funds there for us, right? And so you have something that you call the holiday clause. Why don't you explain what that is? So it came from a a real case that I had where I was working with a a daughter. And she was the co-trustee with us. And she and her two brothers each had a trust. And one of the clauses in the trust said they could use the funds to start a business. And the two brothers got together and said, we have a great idea. So they wrote down basically one paragraph of their idea, took it to their sister, no business plan, no projections, Mm -hmm. no real planning, took it to their sister and said, here's what we'd like to do. She said, I think it's a wonderful idea. Call Chris. She hung up the phone. Or after they left, she called me and said, Chris, we're not doing it. So as a corporate trustee, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of a role that we play. Mm -hmm. And what happens there is it saves the relationship of her with her two brothers. Sure. Because at Thanksgiving that year, which is why I coined it the holiday clause, she said to them, I told Chris he should have done that. So it kind of, it saves their relationship and we're okay with that. Yeah. You could kind of be the, the, in that case, voice of reason for sure. Yes. But in some ways it can feel like sort of the bad guy, like, ah, Chris said no, but 
it was really in their best interest. Right. If there was a good business plan, if there were projections, if they had really done their homework and it was a good plan and she said no, Mm -hmm. we probably would have gone back and had additional conversations. Sure. In this case, it didn't make sense. Right. Well, I'm sure she appreciated being able to have somebody to go to and say, look, uh uh-uh, tell them. And it was all by design by her parents. Okay. That they knew that she would be the most responsible with money Mm -hmm. and that she'd be good to have as a co-trustee to give us feedback and input. That's a lot of foresight on the part of the parents. Absolutely. And we see that often or we offer that. In some cases, we'll ask that you want a child to be an advisor to us, but not have any input on distributions or just to keep them out of the, mm-hmm. you know, crossfire, if you will. Yep. It's someone that we can, if it's in the document and we can turn to them as an advisor where we can share information and there's that permission in the document, we're happy to do that. So we've been talking quite a bit kind of on that personal side. I think a lot of listeners can put themselves in the role of either the parent or the child and understand the need for that. But what about a business owner? What kind of advice do you give those business owners when it comes to their accounts? Yeah. I mean, for everyone, it it really comes down to the documents that they have in place. Okay. And then making sure those documents flow or follow through with your wishes. Somehow get to the end game where your wishes are carried out. For business owners, many times it's, let's say you have one child in the business and you have three or four kids that are not. Mm -hmm. Some parents or some business owners will say, well, I need to equalize it for all of the kids. But in other cases, that child that's in the business really participated in the growth of the company. Okay. And so they may not necessarily feel that equalization is fair, but they do have opportunities to, you know, somehow take care of the other kids. Could be through life insurance or other matters. Mm -hmm. Do you work with business owners who are working on transitioning their business maybe to their kids or to the employees? Do you work with that quite a bit? On occasion uh, through Horicon Bank. In that transition, you just want to make sure that is the buy-sell agreement in place? Are the assets properly titled so that they flow with the estate plan? Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be disconnected. If you do have a child or children or an employee's that you ultimately want the business to go to, the question becomes, is there life insurance in place or how are they going to pay for that if you want them to buy it at fair market value at your death? Mm-hmm. So could be life insurance, could be a loan from a friendly bank that we both know. We do know a good one. Yes, we do. <laughs> and along those lines of transitioning a business, you had said that you often recommend that you review some of those documents every three years at minimum. And you were just telling me a story about two doctors who had a buy-sell agreement in place, but it was old. Yes. So in this case, the buy-sell agreement had a fixed amount of the buyout, and it was an older document. And of course, their business had grown quite a bit. And so the value was not accurate. But there was one owner that was looking to cash out, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that buy-sell agreement didn't reflect the proper value. And so he wanted a higher value or a new valuation. However, one of his partners was going through a divorce and he didn't want a new valuation for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. So how do you help that? We recommend a good attorney and accountant. Okay. So we do not give legal advice, but we'll get them to some people that are very knowledgeable and can help Mm -hmm. um, step through that process. And I can speak to your networking, I guess, capabilities. Because when you first came on board at Horcon Bank, you presented us with a stack of business cards, said, these are all my contacts. And I was like, this is, this is going to take me all day. (laughs) 
maybe a week. <laughs> so you have a lot of great contacts, a lot of great partners to refer to. Yes. We look to collaborate. Um, you know, it's the Horicon Bank way. We want to collaborate. We want to be a good partner. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about titling of assets, because I know that that's something that at Horicon Bank, you give quite a bit of advice on. Yeah, I, just to help our Horicon bankers avoid the pitfalls. If it's anything other, if it's a joint account and it's anyone other than the spouse, it can be problematic because they could name a child as a, on a joint account and that can override all the good work they've done on their estate plan because that account is going to that joint account owner and completely ignores anything in their trust or will. And so that that does cause issues. In one case, there was a a daughter who was named on a joint account, and whether it's hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, it can be an issue because in this case, the parent said, well, my daughter will do the right thing. She'll get all the money to the kids. And after mom passed, she kept all the money. Wow. And that became, everyone had a lawyer, all the kids had a lawyer. And in her case, I was speaking to her lawyer and he said, is she legally right? She is. Mm -hmm. Am I morally conflicted? I am. And so it does become, it's a tough issue. So to avoid all that, you just, you do want to avoid the joint accounts, especially if they're larger accounts. If it's a simple bill paying account or something like that, that's fine. But Mm -hmm. you want to avoid having significant dollars in a joint account with a child. And also in that case, if she were to give the money to the kids, now it becomes a gift from her to her siblings. Okay. And so that's another issue that comes up with respect to that. Mm-hmm. So what is the difference, I guess? I think that for business owners, the titling side of it, you've got POA, power of attorney, and joint. Joint is a full owner, right? With On that account with you. Right. POA is a little bit different. Do you recommend having a power of attorney on those accounts then? Yeah, power of attorney or just in their name and payable on death to the trust. Okay. Somehow get it flowing back to the trust if they do have one. Okay. Is there any other advice that you would give to business owners specifically when it comes to trust administration or planning for their business after death? Just to have a family. It doesn't hurt to have a family conversation. Sit down and speak to everyone. Let them know what your wishes are ahead of time so there aren't any surprises. Mm -hmm. It's difficult when you see after death that there's a lot of hurt because things weren't discussed. And so sometimes discussing them can take the weight of the world off your shoulders. Yeah. And so this is not, it's for business owners, but for everyone. Some of the biggest arguments and fights are not about the monetary value. It's the sentimental items. Really? And so I've watched a lot of dollars being spent on litigation, just moving tangible property from one hand to the other. Hmm. So whether it's China, a screwdriver, Mm -hmm. um, you just never know. Yeah. And that's hard to predict before death, I think, especially as like a parent or grandparent going through that. I remember, I mean, this is just a personal story, but my husband's grandma diagnosed with cancer. So we knew her time was short. And but she was not someone who did anything without a plan. You know what I mean? Yes. So where it could have been a really difficult conversation, she just walked through the house and was like, Alex gets that. Kevin gets that. <laughs> Steve gets that. 
and she just dictated it, <laughs> which honestly, as a family member, was great. There was no fight at the end of it. It was like, well, grandma said I get that chair, so that's what I'm going to get. But I, again, those are small things, but I can see what you mean, especially with sentimental value. Good to document that in some way, though. Yeah. Yeah. Because people will forget or they mm-hmm. have convenient memories mm-hmm. on what they should get. And I do tell people every fall I'm reminded of it, but I tell people that some people we sit down with have a long list of items that they want people to have. And so I remind them if it's something that would give you great joy to give them today, give it to them to give it to them today, then I would go ahead and do that because you can see then yeah. You can see that look on their face mm-hmm. and it takes some of the hurt away or the disappointment away after you're gone. If someone else was looking to have that or wanted that. Sure. So I encourage people every year around the holidays to talk to your children and make sure you know what their wishes are. If there's anything in the house that they'd like, make sure you know what that is so that you can help us deflect the conflict ahead mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. Are you a part of some of those conversations with families where you sit there and, and help them navigate? Almost every week. Really? Yes. I bet you have some really interesting stories about that. Yes. So in one case, it was the second spouse, and there was a lot of arguments between her and the children from the first marriage. And there was all the tangible property, the family photos and things like that, that belonged to the first family. Um, The children from the first family, but the second spouse had them in her home. Okay. And the conflict was so bad that I asked the second spouse to leave the home. And then we put everything in the garage. And then we oversaw the children from the first marriage coming to the house to pick it up. Because if she would have been in the house, we just didn't want to take that risk on what might happen. Mm -hmm. Man, do you feel like you needed... Maybe you have one, a degree in like psychology and <laughs> just understanding people. Or do you feel like you picked that up over the years? You just pick it up from experience. And the biggest thing we want is no surprises. So even today, just last week, I was talking to someone about their trust and potentially taking over the administration of their trust. And in that conversation, I said, what are your expectations? What do you, how do you feel about the trust? What do you anticipate wanting to take out of the trust? And their requests that were that they anticipated, the trust could not support. And so I just shared that with them. I said, it might be that we can get to a monthly amount and then other items will come up over time mm-hmm. and we can work through that. Well, he wasn't happy with that. So I said, maybe we're not a good fit. So better to have that conversation. We don't want people to have any surprises. So better to have that conversation up front. Mm-hmm. Be very direct, mm-hmm. very honest. Mm-hmm. All right, Chris, here's where we're going to get a little inspirational for our listeners. As you know, Horicon Bank is the natural choice for banking and trust administration, of course. That's not just a tagline. It's a commitment to being environmentally friendly and supporting environmental causes. So in that spirit, I'm going to give you an interesting animal fact, and I want you to turn it into inspirational advice. Are you ready? I'll try. Okay. This is a new one for me. Young goats pick up accents from each other. This means that they join humans, bats, and whales as mammals known to adjust their vocal sound to fit in to a new social group. Did you know that? So how I would relate that to trust administration is we adjust our message based on the person that we're talking to. Okay. So we just fit in 
our advice based on their family dynamic. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on, you know, what they're going through. Do they have a child with special needs? Do they have a child that has a drug addiction? Do they have a child that has a spouse that they don't trust? So it just depends on the dynamic. And then we try to cater. We spend a lot of time with individuals and their attorneys trying to make the wording just right in their documents so that it gives them a comfort level um, Mm -hmm. that it's catered to their need. Well, no trust is going to be the same because no family is exactly the same. I mean, there are there are standard documents out there mm-hmm. that are pretty straightforward. But when you're dealing with a family dynamic that uh, requires some special catering of the language, we'll work with the attorney to do that. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, you have the opportunity. It's your document. It's your message. And so whatever you put in there, that's the message that your children will read one day. So... Don't hesitate to put a paragraph in there explaining, you know, something about why you did what you did or something about how you'd like to see them use those funds. Mm -hmm. Um, So I tell them it's their document. And so feel free to put a little bit of their own personal twist into it. Mm -hmm. Their own personal young goat accent into it. That's (laughs) correct. All right. Before we end the show, Chris, I want to wrap up with actionable advice for our listeners. So if you could tell business owners, one thing that they can put into action today, what would that be? Dust off your documents, take a look at them and make sure that everything is the way you'd like it and that it's all still flowing properly. Awesome advice. Thanks for coming, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks, Grace. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in the loop on all things banking on business related, visit horiconbank.com slash banking on business and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 